evangelism today. Now, if you haven't been here for the last three weeks, please, please, please grab the CDs from the last three Sundays or listen to them online because I'm going to start talking about this stuff and you guys are going to be like, what, where, where is he going with this? Where is he coming from with this? All these things. Well, um, three weeks ago, well, I guess four weeks ago now, we came out with a new vision and mission for the church, okay? The vision is turn the world right side up. Ultimately, we're called to be world changers, to change the world around us. And how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? Well, it's through our mission statement, which is knowing him and making him known through the word and discipleship. Okay, we talked about these things in detail uh, several weeks back, so please grab the CD if you didn't hear that yet, or again, listen to it online. Uh, so we went through a series on discipleship. Well, we focused specifically on this epistle written by Paul to Philemon and how Paul discipled Philemon. We were there for three weeks, really dove deep with discipleship. There's a lot more we could talk about, but I think we did all right for the three weeks that we had. Um, so that was the... Uh, making him known through discipleship. This teaching today is going to be on that emphasis of the mission statement, making him known through the word. Okay, so literally making him known through spreading the word, through sharing our faith. And some of you are like, I've never shared my faith in my life. Others are like, I share my faith every day. Uh, regardless of what end of the spectrum that you're on, we're all called to share our faith. It was ultimately the Great Commission. Jesus said um, two things in Matthew 28. He says, go therefore and make disciples. Focused on that. Um, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, go therefore and preach the gospel to every creature, uh, to all nations, to everyone. Okay, so that's what we're ultimately called to do. That wasn't just for the disciples, that was for the church in general. We're called to spread the word. That's each and every one of us. You might have come to the Lord recently, or you might have been walking with the Lord to for 40, 50 years, it doesn't matter where you are, we're, we're all called to this. We're all called to spread the word, especially to those who don't know the Lord. Which brings me to the title of this teaching, The Call to Spread the Word. The Call to Spread the Word. Now, we're going to be all, all over the place, all right? Um, because it's topical. <clears throat> so get your fingers warmed up and ready. <laughs> try to keep up. Um, okay, the call to spread the word. See, spreading the word of God or evangelizing, sharing our faith, it's not just an event, okay? It's called to be a lifestyle. Now, today we're going to have an event, this outreach at two o'clock where we're going to share our faith and it is an event. But my hope is that what is an event today will become a lifestyle tomorrow. And that's why I bought 500 of these door hangers that you can start getting into this thing. Okay, maybe you shared your faith today and you came along for the outreach or maybe you can't for whatever reason, but tomorrow you grab a few of these and you are passing them out and sharing the love of Jesus with those who don't know him. Because this is a spiritual discipline like prayer, like getting in the word. It's like any other thing that Jesus calls us to do. We responding to it is an act of obedience. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, 
Paul writes to Timothy, he says, do the work of an evangelist. Okay, we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. It doesn't mean or it doesn't have to mean that you have the gift of evangelism. Okay, that's a specific gift that God gives certain people. Not everyone has it, but regardless of the gift, we all have the calling. We all have the calling to share our faith. And I want to look at um, God's responsibility and our responsibility. But before I do, I want to just put this out here. Um, we could talk about evangelism for the rest of the year, really. Uh, we're going to do one teaching on it. Okay, so this is kind of just the basics and to kind of build you up, equip you, help you be more confident in the future, specifically today, but even after today, in sharing your faith. Now, there's so many different ways, and we'll get into that later, um, but there's not like a specific, like, I need to I need to stick to Tanner's five points. If I don't do it like this, it's never going to work. Don't worry about it. Like the Lord will lead you however he leads you. And this is just to help you uh, grow in confidence. So uh, basically this whole teaching is taking the word of God and some of my personal experiences that have worked for me attached to the word of God to help you and share with you. It's not just what the word says, but when we do this, it actually works. The word of God works when we work it. It, it, it truly, it truly does. So with that being said, let's focus on uh, first our responsibility versus God's responsibility, because ultimately we both have responsibilities in bringing someone to the Lord. And it's our responsibility to do just that, to share our faith, to spread the word. That's why he tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we see a great analogy that helps us understand our responsibility and God's responsibility. And I love how Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I planted, okay, I planted the seed. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Okay, I planted, Apollos watered, but ultimately it was God that brought that seed to sprout and become something. It's our responsibility to plant seeds. It's God's responsibility to increase those seeds. We never know what kind of soil we're planting those seeds on. We talked about soil in the past in Matthew chapter 13. We could be planting seeds on hard hearts or we could or we could be planting seeds on, on good soil that's going to produce much fruit. We really don't know who we're sharing the gospel with often, especially when it's strangers and we don't know the condition of their heart. It, we're not supposed to know the condition of their heart. God knows the condition of their heart. And he just simply says, hey, plant seeds. I'll take care of the rest. So if those seeds don't grow or if they do grow, that's between them and God. And Jesus... And Mark chapter 3 gives us a, a, an analogy of this, specifically a parable about this in Mark chapter 4, sorry, verse 26. Jesus speaking, he says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Okay, The seed is the word of God. We know that from Matthew 13 and Luke chapter 8. Okay, That's what he's talking about. So the kingdom of God is this, as that is, ugh, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. What's happening? The farmer, he's just scattering seeds. 
He wakes up the next day and now there's a sprout. And he's like, dude, I don't get how it happens. I just scatter the seeds and God does something with those seeds. He provides the increase in those seeds eventually become a plant. And that plant eventually produces fruit. And he says he doesn't know how this thing happened. And we don't know when it's going to happen. We just know God does something with seeds when we're faithful to plant them. Now, a while back, I was in downtown Lauderdale on this strip of like clubs and bars. I wasn't clubbing or going to the bars, okay? I was, <laughs> I was there sharing my faith, okay? I was there intentionally to evangelize, and I was with a group of people, and I ran into this kid. His name was Josh, and we talked to him. He was kind of uh, wasted, and, but we still had a conversation with him anyways, and he wasn't ready to accept the Lord. We shared our faith with him, but he let us pray for him. Uh, and then the next week, we were there again at that same place. Uh, he was sober this time, but he still hadn't accepted the Lord. We shared our faith again with him. We got to pray for him. Nothing came of it. Well, about a month later, um, Pastor Bob Coy, who used to be the pastor of Calvary Fort Lauderdale, uh, he did a message and he was talking about prayer and he challenged the church to pray for someone who's in need. This week, hey, if you see someone that's going through it, that's struggling, whether they're a believer or unbeliever, if you see that, just go up to them and pray for them. So this lady from our church, hearing what Pastor Bob challenged her in, saw Josh at a gas station. Okay, and when she saw him, he was wasted. He was obviously in bad shape. He was laying in the grass and she's like nervous, but she goes up to him and she says, hey, can I pray for you? And Josh's like, I want to kill myself. All these things. He's saying he wants to commit suicide, all this stuff. And uh, but he lets her pray for him. And she mentions Calvary Chapel. And he goes, wait a minute. Those guys that shared their faith with me a month back, they were from Calvary Chapel. So you know what he did? He went to Calvary Chapel and he had a counseling session with one of our elders. Uh, so this is where I'm brought back on the scene. Me and my friend Joey are walking down the hallway to the front office and the elder comes out. He goes, hey, can one of you talk to this guy that I have in this counseling room? Will you please have a conversation with him? He's like your guys' age. I think it would be good. Maybe we can plug him in somewhere. So I was like, Joey, you take that. I'm meeting someone out in the front. The person that I was meeting out in the front was one of the same people that was with me both times when I shared my faith with this kid. Okay, so five, ten minutes later, Josh comes out of the room with the former director of Calvary House, the ministry that I, I originally went to, getting ready to go to Calvary House. And I see this kid, me and Tim see the kid, like, dude, we know you. He's like, yeah. I remember you guys, you shared your faith with me. And he tells us the story. Yeah, I was drunk and all these things. And this lady, she prayed for me. She mentioned Calvary Chapel. I came here, had a counseling session, talked to Joey. As I was talking to Joey, Billy was coming up, the director of Calvary House. He plugged me into Billy. Now I'm going to Calvary House. So he not only accepted the Lord, he got plugged into this discipleship school. And me and Tim were like, bro, that God is so faithful to have us sit here and watch this happen. He didn't have to let us be there. But to have us say, hey, see that, that seed that you planted over a month ago? I'm doing something with it. I'm increasing that seed. You just be faithful to plant the seeds. I will provide the increase in my own timing. And he was able to go to Calvary House and get some extra discipleship. So this is ultimately our responsibility, spreading the seeds. It's God's responsibility to make the seeds increase. He says it like this, in other words, in John chapter 6, verse 44, it's very, very important for us to remember 
John chapter 6, verse 44. He says, Jesus speaking again, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Hear what he says? No one's coming to me unless my Father draws him. So if we're planting seeds and God's not drawing them, they're not going to be saved. It's us planting the seeds, being faithful to do that, and God being faithful to draw men unto himself, which he will if we're faithful to plant the seeds. But ultimately, we don't save people. Okay, It's not me that saves anyone. It's not you that saves anyone. It's God that saves people. We have to recognize, I'm called to plant seeds. God's called to save people, and he'll draw men unto themselves. Now, when we consider the fact that God is the one drawing men, God is the one increasing the seeds, that leads us to uh, act on another thing. And that other thing is prayer, right? Asking God, hey, God, you're the one that's going to draw the men. You're the one that's going to make the seeds increase. So I've been praying on a daily basis about this outreach because I know if I go out there and plant seeds and God's not in it and he's not drawing, nobody's getting saved. But as we petition to the Lord, God, please minister to the hearts of these people. Prepare them for the conversations that we're going to have with them. Get them in that place, even if it's a place of brokenness, that they're ready to receive you as Lord of their life. And as we petition to God, often he will draw men unto himself. Himself, sorry. So prayer is such a pivotal part of sharing our faith, not only asking God to, 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 to move and to stir up hearts and draw men unto himself, but also for our hearts to prepare our hearts to go out and share our faith. Praying and worshiping before you go and share your faith is, is a pivotal part of evangelism, which brings me to the first point. Pre-prayer and worship. Pre-prayer and worship. Get it? Pre-prayer, pre-prayer? Um, pre-prayer and worship. Uh, it's, it's so important that we pray not only that God is moving in their hearts, but God is moving in our hearts. Now, uh, the, the thing about it is so often when we even think about going and sharing our faith with a stranger, immediately we're like engulfed in fear. It's like anxiety and like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm, 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 I'm anxious. And what does the Bible say? Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication through thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And later it says the peace of God, which surpasses all knowledge and all understanding. Essentially, he's going to give that to you. So if you're getting nervous, if you're getting anxious, anybody nervous about sharing, sharing their faith today? No? You guys are all bold like lions. I am, okay? I was nervous about coming and sharing this message today. In fact, I'm nervous every single time I come to share a message. This is something, a fear I've had my whole life. I remember in college, my teachers and all my classes really would have me read my papers, have all of us read our papers in front of the classrooms, and I would literally be like this, shaking, I could barely read it. I'm like, stuttering. I'm like, dude, I hate always hated speaking in front of an audience. And look at what God did. He has a sense of humor, right? 
But in all sincerity, I still get nervous to this day. So what do I do? I pray. When I get anxious, when I get fearful, I ask God, hey, God, give me the boldness. Give me the confidence to continue on in what you've called me to. Because regardless of my fear, I can't let my fear prevent me from walking in obedience. We see a great example of this in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. So to give you some context... um, Peter and John just healed a man in Acts chapter 3 outside of the temple. Now, it caused a lot of commotion. A lot of people are like, oh man, this guy guy got healed in the name of Jesus. They're sharing about Jesus. He preaches. All these things are happening now. The Sanhedrin, the rulers at that time of the court in Jerusalem, the ones that actually had Jesus put to death, they're brought before those guys. Okay, think about that. The guys that had Jesus killed, now you're brought before those guys. A little scared, maybe? Okay, look what happens. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18, it says, So they called them, this is the Sanhedrin, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You hear that and you're like, man, bold, right? Peter? John, that was a bold statement. These guys could kill you and they just told you, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They say, hey, we can't help but preach in the name of Jesus. We can look back at it. Man, they're bold as lions. They're very courageous. But look what happens next. Continuing on in verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, then they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed and being let go. Look what they do immediately. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, so they pray, look, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he goes on along this prayer and look what he says in verse 29. Okay. Now, Lord, Look on their hearts and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. Think about it. They just had boldness and courage in preaching the gospel to the Sanhedrin. Now, immediately after they're threatened, they go back with their companions and they ask God, give us more boldness. Why? They're probably afraid. They're probably scared to continue on. So they ask God, hey, we need the boldness and courage to continue on with what you've called us to. This isn't like a one-time, God, give me boldness and courage, and now I'm bold and courageous for the rest of my lives, the rest of our lives. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. We continue to pray. After the first conversation, pray before the second conversation. Pray between conversations. I've mentioned this before, but often in counseling sessions, even in evangelism, as I'm communicating to someone, I'm, I'm asking in my heart and in my mind, please, Lord, tell me what to say, because I don't know what to tell this person. This story's off the wall. I don't know what kind of advice to give them. God, give me the words to speak. And I'll literally say that in my mind and in my heart because I know without him, nothing's going to come of it. But with him, he'll do often a mighty work. These men were no different. They recognized, yes, we had the boldness to share our faith this time, but we know we're going to need boldness again to share our faith again. So they pray without ceasing. They pray with boldness. Okay. Prayer, pivotal part, but also worship. 
Worship helps us get our hearts ready to communicate the gospel. Let me give you a scripture that I love that bridges this gap between worshiping the Lord and sharing our sharing our faith, worshiping the Lord and sharing our faith. If you look at First Chronicles chapter sixteen, First Chronicles chapter sixteen, verse twenty three. I'll read it to you. First Chronicles 16, 23. It says, sing to the Lord all the earth. So this is praising God, right? Worshiping the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. We see this direct connection between worshiping the Lord and sharing the message of salvation. Why? Well, when you worship God, do you not consider all the marvelous works that he's done in your life and the life of people around you? It was so funny when we did the first uh, worship set this morning. I was like, it was so good. They both were so good. Um, (laughs) But I was so moved and I was thinking about this later on how we're going to be going out there and sharing my faith and i'm like dude i want everyone to know about jesus like he's been so amazing and been so good to me and has blessed me abundantly who am i to not share my faith as we worship the lord and we consider how good he is and all the things that he's done for us it motivates us to tell people about it when we think about those things we want to tell people about those things so worship is an excellent way to prepare our hearts to share the word that's why at two o'clock we're going to have um luke lead us in worship for a few songs so that we can get our hearts ready so that we can think about who we're actually praying to who's the one moving in the hearts out there he's a big god he can do big things he's bigger than your fears Now, this doesn't mean that if you are in a conversation with someone at the gas station or uh, if you're at the convenience store, the grocery store, and uh, you have the clerk there and you want to tell them about Jesus, you don't have to like, give me one minute. I got to go pray and worship for a little bit and then I'll come back. So I'm ready to share my faith with you. This doesn't mean that. It just simply means that prayer and worship are great ways to prepare our hearts and their hearts for uh, that message that we're going to try to communicate to them, that interaction that we might have with them. Second point, after we're pre-prayed and worshiping, initiate conversation. Initiate conversation specifically with strangers is probably the toughest part it's the scariest part honestly it's like dude i don't know what i'm gonna say to them what do i tell them what do i do i don't know well um there's several different approaches and even more that i won't even talk about but uh, a great way uh, to start that conversation off, maybe it is at a grocery store, maybe it isn't in the context of this outreach, uh, wherever it is, is, is small talk in the beginning is a great way to start off the conversation. Ask them about themselves. People like to talk about themselves. Have you noticed that? So when you ask them about themselves, they'll talk, they'll talk about themselves. You know, as long as you're not like weird and scaring them off. 
You know, if you're just asking them like serious, just general questions, hey, um, you live around here. How long have you lived on the mountain or how long have you lived down the mountain? Um, what do you do for work? Um, whatever. Do you have a family, kids, whatever? As you're asking those questions, you'll see what happens is God will give you little things that they communicate to relate to them and bridge the gap to the gospel. What do I mean? Say you're talking to them and you're with your children and you're like, hey, you, do you have children? Yeah, I have children. You know what's so crazy? Our God, he says he's a good father and he loves his children. Are you a child of God? Do you know what that means? Do you know how to become a child of God? When you look at relationships that we have, all you need is to get grasp one relationship, whether they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a father or a mother, and any relationship that they have, you can use that to bridge the gap to the gospel because the gospel is all about relationship. It's an easy segue. So a lot of times that small talk can lead or open the door to you being able to share the gospel. Now, today it's going to probably be a little bit different. Not that you can't have small talk, but we have a a conversation initiator right here. We have something that we're already communicating to them about, and we have a reason for what we're doing. This isn't just on-the-spot evangelism. We're going out there with an intention to share the gospel. So it's simply, hey, we're just out here. Uh, You can wear this however you want, okay? You don't have to quote me. I don't know what I'm even going to say right now. Um, We're just out here. Uh, inviting people to our Christmas Eve service, we would love for you to come. Have you ever been to Calvary Chapel Running Springs anymore? They might say, yeah, I've been there, that young pastor. I can't take him anymore. Um, so I left, I went to another church. Hopefully they didn't, they don't say that, okay? Hopefully they don't say that to you. Um, but they might say, no, I've never been to Calvary Chapel Running Springs. Um, well, have you ever gone to church? Do you go to church? Uh, no, I don't really go to church. Oh, well, well, we would love to have you at church, but um, do you mind me asking you uh, why I don't go to church? Do, do you know Jesus? And you see, you can progressively get to that point instead of just going bold out. Do you know the Lord? Because this is a segue. It's about church. Ask them about their experience with church. And they might say, yeah, the church is full of a, full of a bunch of hypocrites and yada, yada, yada. And I don't get along. It's like, okay, you know, yeah, it, none of us are, are perfect um, but you know, the, here at Calvary Chapel Running Springs, we're, we're trying to grow. We're trying to be better because we know we're not perfect. Uh, the pastor t- talks about his imperfections all the time and me too. And whatever, however that conversation goes, you have a conversation initiator right there and you can just tie it into church. Why do you go to ch- Why don't you go to church? You don't have to ask them, why do you go to the Catholic church or why do you go to the reformed church? Because that's not what I read in scripture. Be careful with that. Okay. Just try to start getting them coming here. They'll gradually get some of that truth uh, spoken into their lives in hopefully a, an unoffensive way. The gospel's offensive in and of itself. We don't add, need to add to the offensiveness of it, okay? So you can you can do that. Hey, this is why I'm out here. Uh, you know, we're just inviting you to Christmas Eve service. Uh, or maybe it's not in a setting like outreach. And maybe there's a time limit. Maybe, and this happens to me all the time. You're checking out like groceries, right? And you're, you're with the clerk and you have this long line behind you. And you know, like, you, you don't really have time to start with small talk and all these different things. You can just take this straight up bold approach. Do you know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, um, you're going to hell. You know, that doesn't always go great. Um, 
<laughs> but you can take that route. And I've heard people do it. And I've, I, I haven't just said, hey, you're going to hell. But I have asked people straight up, do you know Jesus? Because of a time crunch. Like, I got to get out of here. I just want to ask them and I want to share the gospel real quick. That's gone uh, really well sometimes. And it's gone uh, south sometimes. Okay, you, you never know what's going to happen. But you can be, if you are that bold and get right to the point. Okay, um, another uh, thing in initiating conversation um, make use of the environment, okay? If you can, you don't need to. Uh, for example, I have this bottle of water. Uh, often we do outreaches, different clubs and raves and bars and things like that, and we pass out water. Why? Because most of the, a lot of the people that die are dying because of dehydration from the drugs. So we'd pass out water, but Jesus talks about water all the time, right? And he talks about the living water. Right. So you can use things that are common amongst people as a segue to share the gospel. Look at this verse right right here. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Uh, Jesus was likely walking by a vineyard on the way to, to the Garden of Gethsemane when he made that statement. He spoke in a way that the people could understand and he used things that were common to them. I'll give you an example. One time I was walking into Walmart and there was this guy in the front of Walmart and he was selling health insurance. Okay. And I had to go. I was, uh, I was in a rush and I was just gr- grabbing a drink. Um, and the Lord kept putting on her. You need to talk to that guy. I don't care how much of a rush you're in. You need to talk to that guy. Like, all right. So I'm thinking about, okay, how am I going to start off this conversation? Um, so I go up to this guy afterwards and I was like, I actually was in need of health insurance at the time. Um, and I was like, so what are, what are your plans? Yada, yada, start talking about health insurance for a while, get some information from him. And then I asked him about life insurance. It's like, you guys have life insurance plans. He's like, yeah. I was like, what about eternal life insurance plans? You got one of those? I do. And so I started to share my faith from that, you know, and it's corny, it's cheesy, but the Lord used it. I had several conversations with this guy afterwards. He never, um, as far as I know, in the conversations I had gave his life to the Lord, but they don't always do it. But it's a, it's a seed planted. You know what I mean? And I was just being open to what I thought God was leading me to do. Now, uh, before we get into communicating the gospel, um, a great transition from small talk uh, is the topic of morality. Okay, I talked about this a lot on, on Wednesday service, but this is the reality. Most people believe in morality, okay? Most people, even if they don't believe in the Ten Commandments or any direction that God gave, uh, every man has a sense of morality, uh, in Romans chapter 2, we see that, like, that there's even Gentiles that obey with the law without ever knowing the law. They obey the law because that law's on their hearts. God has placed morality in our hearts. Every man has a sense of morality. Now, the Holy Spirit, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, we have like a supernatural sense of morality. And he tells us to do exceedingly above what we think we're supposed to do. Like he says, go above and beyond, go the second mile. But each and every man has this sense of morality and you can use that. And something you could ask someone is, do you believe in right and wrong? Most people, unless they're like an extreme atheist. And if you want to know how to deal with those, grab the CD for Wednesday. Um, But they'll generally say yes. Do you do everything that's right or have you ever done anything that you think is wrong? Let's probably say, unless they're extremely prideful. Um, Yes, I have. I've done wrong. Well, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. And sin's really uh, doing what you know you're not supposed to do. So 
by definition, the Bible says, hey, if if you're a sinner, the result or the consequences of that sin is eternal death and you need a savior. Now, I'll give you a story before I get into uh, some of those scriptures. Um, I mentioned this at the men's conference for those uh, who stayed um, till the end. I was supposed to go on a mission trip to Moldova, which is in Eastern Europe. And I was with all girls. It was me and all girls. Pastor Chet sent me like as the leader and kind of protector of these girls. Interesting. Um, anyways, so in Eastern Moldova, there's a huge problem with sex trafficking. So we were actually going to this ministry uh, where it was a bunch of girls that were uh, brought in and saved from the the sex trafficking uh, industry. Okay, it's a huge, huge problem out there. Now, <clears throat> we had booked our flights. We uh, get to the airport. Um, we have to fly to JFK and then to uh, Turkey and then there, whatever. So uh, before we leave Miami, uh, there is a snowstorm in JFK. So flights get canceled. We can't land there or leave because all these flights are, are delayed. So we get delayed going to New York. By the time we got to New York, we missed our flight to Turkey to get to Moldova. So we're like, what the heck? We're supposed to be on this mission trip and now we're stuck. So we had to take a train back from New York to Florida. Okay, nice little train ride, like 30 something hours. Um, and I'm talking to the girls. And I'm like, hey, God has a reason for this. There's some reason we need to be open to what it was. There's nothing we could have done about it. So let's let's purpose to to be spiritually minded in this and and, and take what God gives us. So we were playing cards. Okay. Not that that's what God led us to do. But that's just what we were doing, all right? So we're playing cards, and I overhear this conversation that these two high schoolers are having with these young kids. These, these high schoolers were like 16, 17, and they're talking to these young elementary school kids about sex and drugs and all these things that they should not be talking about. And I'm overhearing them, and my heart just starts pounding. I'm getting angry, Okay. Righteous indignation, okay? Um, so I get up and I walk over him. This isn't always the best conversation starter, but this is what I said. You think you're cool? I said, do you think you're cool? Like talking to these kids about that stuff, you think that's right? And he's going, no, 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 no. And I'm like trying to calm down because I'm really frustrated. Um, and so I start talking to him. All right, right off the bat, he admitted there was something right and something wrong. I already got him on morality. He knows he's doing something wrong. So I use that as a segue to share with him, hey, I've done a lot of wrong in my life too. I shared my testimony with him and bled that into the gospel and he got saved right there on the spot, him and his friend. And you know what? A year later, he actually texted me and he said, thank you so much for calling me out on that train and sharing your faith with me. And he said, I've been battling with my relationship or struggling with my relationship with the Lord, but I, I really am trying to, to walk with him and I'm committed to this thing and I just want to thank you. This was a year a year later. So we never know how God will use each and every conversation. But if we can get to that morality thing, hey, there's right and wrong. If you admit that and you ever do wrong, what happens when you do wrong? You get punished, right? If we break a law in the United States, we get a punishment. Maybe it's a fine. Maybe it's imprisonment. Wherever there's a law, there's a punishment for not obeying that law. And the punishment for not obeying God's law is eternal judgment but there's a way out and Jesus is that way out. So leads me to third point, communicate the gospel. Okay. Communicating the gospel. Um, so once you start that conversation, 
um, communicating the gospel is the next thing. And this is really the main objective in evangelism, right? That's what it is. It's sharing our faith. It's spreading the gospel. We can love on people and get to know them, but if we're not sharing the truth of the gospel with them, then how can they be saved if they don't know what the gospel is? So we need to start there. Um, what is the gospel? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul sums it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 1 to 5. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you. He's talking about the gospel. Unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. This is the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, that's the gospel. In other words, is that Jesus Christ died died on a cross. He died a death that we deserved. He was buried only to rise again on the third day. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he was God in the flesh, that he died for your sins and accept that sacrifice as a payment for you to be forgiven and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's, in other words, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You want to lead them to a place that they understand their need for that and understand what that, what that means. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. It's just those basic things. It's the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why that needed to happen? Because they broke the law. We broke the law. And there's a payment for that. God loves us so much that he didn't want to make us pay the payment, so he gave us another way. Jesus paid the payment, but we have to believe in him, pursue relationship with him for us to receive that way out, in other words. So that's essentially the gospel. Now, it's one thing to know the gospel. It's our calling, again, to communicate the gospel. And Paul says in Romans chapter 10, if you'd flip with me there, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 He says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How are they going to believe if they haven't heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So, Think about this. It's just logic, right? How are people going to hear the gospel if no one communicates it to them? And how is anyone going to communicate to them unless they're sent? That's why I'm doing this. So that we're without excuse, that you're actually set to preach the gospel. I know that they're not going to hear if nobody shares with them and nobody's going to share with them unless they're inspired to, unless they're sent to share with people that don't know the Lord. And look at this last part. I want to reread it. Romans chapter 15. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Look at your feet. Now, most of you have shoes on. If you don't, look at your feet. You guys know what your feet look like. You know what your wife's feet look like. You know what your husband's feet look like. You know what your family member's feet look like. Would you say they're beautiful? Probably not, right? There's very few people in this world that I believe have beautiful feet, okay? But God, he takes that out of his perspective and he says, you know what? If your feet are walking in obedience and sharing the word, they're beautiful to me. That's like, we don't really think about that, but that's pretty crazy to me. 
I've seen some nasty feet in my life. And he says, hey, those feet that are sharing the gospel, you don't call them nasty. They are beautiful. That's crazy. Just from walking in obedience and sharing our feet, it's not what they look like. It's what they're doing. And that's what, why he calls them beautiful. Okay, so in sharing the gospel, um, there's a million and one ways to share the gospel. Okay, uh, we have to make sure first and foremost that we're uh, at least attempting, trying to be led by the Spirit. Okay, not just planning out everything that we're going to say. Yeah, think about stuff, but be led by the Spirit. In fact, Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, when he sends the disciples out in verse 19. He says, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Sorry, verse 19, I read 20. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Okay, so it's not we don't have to get stressed out about what we're going to say. God's going to give us the words to say in that moment because if we're too prepared and we're like, this is exactly what I'm going to say, we're not really leaving room for the Spirit to lead us. We want to have like a general, okay, I know I'm going to share the gospel. That's about all I know. I don't know how I'm going to share it. I know what the gospel is and I know I'm going to share it. However God leads me to share it, that's what I'm going to do because it's ultimately the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, for time's sake, I won't go into all of it. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. He tells the church in Corinth, I didn't come to you uh, with like all this confidence and boldness. I came to you with fear and trembling. And I didn't come to you speaking persuasive words of men. I came to you demonstrating the power of the Spirit of God. Because it's not our persuasive words that's going to bring someone to Christ. If I can persuade someone to believe in Jesus, someone else can persuade them not to believe in Jesus. It has to be a work of the Spirit. Because if the work of the Spirit is happening as I'm communicating, God's going to draw them to Himself. If they accept the Word, or Lord, He'll fill them with the Spirit and he'll seal them for the day of redemption. So it's about being empowered by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So God, give me the power of your Spirit to communicate your word and boldness and and share my faith with, with, with these people, with this person, whatever it may be. Now, important thing to note, I mentioned how we can love on people, but if we're not sharing the gospel with them, are we really loving them? Okay? But there's also a reality that we can get so caught up with speaking the truth to people that we lose them. I see this happen all the time. Sometimes, I'll be completely honest, the, the, the people that know more of the word are sometimes less effective in sharing the gospel. Why? Because they get in these arguments with people about what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's not. We got to remember something. We're not trying to make a Bible scholar out of that person right off the bat. Okay, It's not like... They get saved, now Bible college is the next thing. That could be, but it's not like we're trying to pour all the truth in the world and of the scriptures into their lives in that moment. We gotta make sure we're loving them. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 15, to speak the truth in love. We gotta love on them and we gotta speak the truth to them. Those things go together. We can't be overly abundant on one side speaking the truth 
too, if we just focus on truth without love, we'll push them away. If we focus on love without truth, what gospel are they believing? Not a gospel that saves. So it's both of those things together. It's the truth in love. If anything, even if you get it like, I, I want to go, but I don't feel comfortable like sharing the gospel. And you just want to say, hey, Jesus loves you. Please come to church on Christmas Eve. That's not true. Or sorry, that's true. But you didn't share the gospel with them. But I'm okay with that. If that's where you want to start and get them to church and I'll share the gospel with them. But in all sincerity, I want first and foremost for them to have a loving encounter with a believer. That they walk away from that conversation like, dude, these people went out of their way to invite me to their church. Why? They don't get anything out of this. It's not like you benefit out of this. I mean, eternally, we do. You'll get a crown or something. Um, But in all sincerity, we're not doing this thing because of what we're going to gain. We're doing this strictly out of love. And when they see that, that you're not trying to sell them something, it's like, oh, wow, these people aren't trying to sell me something. Um, They're just trying to invite me to something and be a part of something. That goes a long way. And if it's just that, at least they have a loving encounter with a Christian. Get them here on Christmas Eve service again, and I'll share the gospel with them. Um, Okay. So in in communicating the word of God, empowered by the spirit versus persuasive words, uh, it it really helps um, to know some scripture. Uh, I think verse memorization is a a really uh, helpful tool, not that you have to memorize the whole Bible. And maybe you don't have any verses memorized. That's fine. But just to encourage you to to grow in in memorizing scripture, the more you memorize, the more you can recite scripture and it'll literally just come out of your mouth. Uh, a, a great one or five to memorize uh, is Romans Road. Okay, Romans Road is a great just it, it sums up the gospel. It's Romans three twenty three. It says, uh, "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." Okay, everybody's a sinner. All of us. Jesus was the only one that wasn't. So we're all sinners. We got to start there, right? There's a moral law, and we broke it. Uh, Romans six twenty three is the next one. It says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." Okay, so the result, the consequences of breaking that law is eternal judgment. But because Christ loves us, we have the opportunity for eternal life. And Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so while we were still sinners, there's nothing we have to do to like, oh, I need to, I need to um, be good for a while. I need to get my life together before I can come to Jesus. That's not true. You come to him with all your mess. He's the only one that can fix it, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. This is the the big one, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, so I understand I'm a sinner. I understand Jesus died for my sins while I was a sinner. So I'm confessing his lordship. I'm believing his death, burial and resurrection. That's what leads us to salvation. So I would encourage you to try to at some point memorize Romans Road. You don't need to, but the more scripture you have to work with, um, it's effective. Why? Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's something powerful about communicating the word of God, it does something to people. Just by reciting the scripture, it does something. There's su- something supernatural about it. So I would just encourage you, um, if you could, uh, to try to memorize some scripture, okay? 
scripture memorization is great, um, especially when it's combined with testimonies. Personal testimonies go such a long way. Now, you want to keep your testimony probably to like um, the two to five minute range. If you just go talk in someone's ear off for an hour, they're probably going to like, you're not going to have their attention the whole time. Okay, if the conversation goes that long, great. But you don't want to just like, okay, when I was little, this is what happened. And when I was five, this is what happened. And when I was 12, this is, is like, okay, sum it up and say, yeah, all right, these are the things. This is my old lifestyle. And this is how and when God came into my life. And this is how things changed, okay? So try to like shorten it. I told you before, people like to talk about themselves. So if you talk about yourself the whole time without asking them about you, themselves, then you're going to lose them. So ask them questions about themselves as well. As you share your testimony, don't just make it all about, about you, okay? Uh, make it specifically about God and what he did in your life. Give God the glory, not, not yourself. Uh, but also don't spend so much time on your testimony that you lose their attention span. It's important. Um, okay, fourthly, I'll be quick on these last two. Uh, lead someone to Christ. Okay, this is so funny. I've seen this happen so many times. <laughs> People will share the gospel with somebody. And it's like, especially when they're fresh, they're new, they've never done it before. They'll share the gospel with someone. And then that person's like, yeah, I want that. I want Jesus in my life. And they're like, uh, hold on one second. <laughs> and they'll go and grab me or somebody else and say, hey, this person wants to accept Jesus and I don't want to know what to do now. It's like, it's not very difficult. It's like probably the, the most simple thing. Each and every one of you has probably prayed the sinner's prayer at some point in your life, right? Like all of you hopefully have accepted the Lord. If you haven't, please come and talk to me after service. And I mean that sincerely. Um, but we've all said it before. Okay, leading someone in it is no different. Essentially, what you're doing is praying the gospel. Now, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. There's no like, this is the sinner's prayer. Okay, the closest thing to it is Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So essentially, what you want them to pray is something like, because uh, uh, you're going to pray it too, hey, um, uh, follow me, communicate after me, copy what I say, recite what I say. In other words, and, and you're just, hey, I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead and I want to make you Lord of my life. Please help me, change me, grow me, add whatever else you want, okay? So I'll read you one example, of, as long as it's biblical, not whatever you want, Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll give you one example. Uh, Billy Graham. Here's a sinner's prayer from Billy Graham. Apparently his were pretty effective. Uh, so I'll read you one. He says, Dear Lord Jesus, and I, know I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose them from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior in your name. Amen. Okay, there's not like a specific way you have to do it, all right? You want them to confess that they're a sinner and essentially pray the gospel, in other words. Like, God, I need you to come into my life. I believe that this was what it took for uh, me to be forgiven of my sins, okay? In other words, um, that's actually, people, I, seriously, I think they struggle with that one the most, and it's really the easiest one. It's like, you started a conversation, and you shared the gospel with them, and they want to get saved. The sinner's prayer is like nothing, okay? You can't. Well, you could probably mess it up, but it would be really hard to mess it up, okay? 
um, next, you want to plug them in. All right. That's point number five. Uh, plug them in uh, again. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Again, says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, so considering that if if we want their faith to grow and this is an important one that a lot of people forget about it's like oh they came to christ and you're so excited that they came to christ and you walk away and it's like okay where are they at a month from now it's like you didn't give them any direction about what to do next faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so we need to challenge them to hey get in the word start reading your bible start praying to the lord start pursuing relationship with them now like think about this um how many people have been in a relationship in the past? A girl-guy relationship. Raise your hand. Come on, you got or now. Any time of your life. Kevin, raise your hand. <laughs> I think I see everybody sitting by their wives and husbands and not raising their hand. I'm like, you're in a relationship. Um, I, hopefully. We might need to do some marital counseling throughout the week if that's not what's happening. Um, no, but in all sincerity, when you first started talking to your wife or your husband, you were just getting to know them, right? And eventually that conversation probably went something like, you want to be my boyfriend or you want to be my girlfriend? Whoever had to lead that conversation, right? And you entered into a committed relationship. But then what would happen if you just said, okay, we're together, but we're not going to talk anymore. We're together. She's my girlfriend or he's my boyfriend, but that's the extent of our relationship. That's what it's like when people just pray sinners' prayers and their relationship doesn't go anywhere after that. We look at that and we're like, that's ridiculous. But God looks at us if we just are there, we pray the sinner's prayer and then our relationship doesn't grow from that. And he's like, what do you think this is? That's, that's not a faith that saves. I want relationship with you. So we have to encourage them to pursue that relationship in the word, in prayer, in fellowship with other believers. Ask them to come to our church. Ask them to go to any church. It's not just about uh, making Calvary Chapel Running Springs the best church ever, though I want it to be. Um, it's, it's about getting them plugged in and connected to a church so that they can grow in their faith. So it's so important to plug them in. And we have something to plug them in right off the bat. We got the Christmas Eve service to get them connected to that we they can you know meet some of the other believers and and, and start hopefully attending here. But really, wherever they go, we just want them to get plugged into a good Bible teaching church. Okay? Um, lastly, uh, this isn't a point, but I want to challenge you to, to, to grow in evangelism. Now, seriously, each and every conversation I have, I always think back on it. What should I have said differently? Um, what could I have done differently? A lot of times things will happen where somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer to it. Tell them you don't know. Don't pretend like you know if you don't know. Okay, it's okay that you don't know. Is there anything in this world that you don't know? Do you understand physics completely? Raise your hand if you understand physics 100%. Okay, right? There's things in this world that we don't know. There's things in this world that they don't know either. It's okay not to know and not have all the right answers. But when you're brought to that place and maybe there's something that you don't, you don't know what to tell them, say, I'm not really sure about that. But look into it so that the next time that thing comes up, you have a little bit of, okay, I get this. I understand an answer to give him about dinosaurs or evolution or whatever it is. Some people will say things like, Jesus was never a person. 
If you look at history, there's not even an atheist historian in the world that would agree with that statement. Jesus was absolutely a person. We have so much evidence that he was a person. Um, we have more evidence that Jesus was a person than we do that most people, than, than most people in history, including Caesar and Plato and all these other guys. So, um, sometimes people will bring this stuff up and you might not have the answer. That's fine. Just purpose to grow in it. Purpose to, okay, next time this comes up, I want to try to have, have the answer. Grow in that spiritual discipline, because that's really what it is. Sharing our faith is a spiritual discipline. And really, um, overall, we have to remember it's not about how much we know. It's not about what we know. It's about who we know. Okay? And we know the Lord. That's all you need to have to be able to share your faith, is knowing Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, um, as they're brought before the Sanhedrin, uh, John and Peter, it says these the men these men are uneducated, untrained, unlearned men. But we know one thing: they've been with Jesus. They didn't know anything except how to fish, but they knew Jesus, and that was the very thing that empowered them to be able to preach the gospel. Each and every one of us, hopefully, know Jesus. So we're equipped. We have all the equipping that we need. So if you don't know something, it's fine. It's about who you know. I've seen God <laughs> use people that didn't know a lick of the Bible. And he can use you. He can use me. He can use us regardless of our knowledge of him. It's about that. That, that knowledge with him, that intimate experiential knowledge. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this calling to evangelize God. It can be uh, scary sometimes, Lord, but we know that you're with us and the battle's ultimately yours, God. It's it's not a it's not a personal thing between us and that person. It's a personal thing between uh, us and you and that person and you, Lord. So I pray that you would give us the boldness today um, to to share our faith, God, to share your love with others, God. Everybody everybody deserves to to hear the gospel, God. And I pray that you would use us to make that happen. In your name, Amen.